welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Does that look okay? If I start slouching, just tell me. Turn my phone off. <laughs> Can you hear me? Hey! Hi. <laughs> okay, here we go. I am really thankful for my father. My youth pastor when I was in high school. My mom. My grandmother. My husband. My wife, Jackie. My grandpa. My best friend. Um, <laughs> she is selfless. She can always make you laugh no matter if you're having a good day or a bad day. He was the guy that always did the right thing. He was so full of life and full of love. She's always challenging me to be better. They took time for us. He was just this friendly, kind, um, loving man that would give the shirt off his back if somebody needed it. He has always been there for everything. <laughs> My favorite thing that he says is, go get him, girl. He was a leader that looked at me and just and just pulled greatness out of me. If I could say thank you to my grandmother, I would just tell her how much she means to me. I want to thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for helping me to overcome my fears. Thank you for fighting for me and standing up for me. The relationship that we had over those number of years will impact me forever. Thank you for believing in us. I wouldn't be here without you. So you just watched uh, the video of people saying thank you to people that they wanted to remember. And uh, in this series, I, I really wanted to develop that, and it didn't really quite go there because forgiveness is such a huge topic. But we did have uh, week two where we talked about don't forget how amazing God has been, his blessing upon your life. And uh, we wanted to say today for you not to forget the people that helped you and blessed you to get you where you are. Um, I think we, it's important for us to remember the blessings of God. And, and here's the point. It, it bothered me that we always remembered the bad things and then we forget the good things and we keep bringing up the bad things and we never say thank you for the good things. And so that's why we kind of played on that title, forgive and forget, don't forget, forgive, you know. And, and, and this is that part of don't forget. Don't forget the people that blessed you. God has been so good to you and he's blessed you through other people and we wanted you to take the time to remember them. So it should be on every other seat or passed out at your campus. Um, we have these little cards that say, just wanted to say, and this is your opportunity to write down, I want to say thank you. You invested in me. You made a difference in me. Um, you, you, you believed in me when no one else did. You helped me overcome my fears. You were a great coach, a great teacher, a great parent, a great mentor. And so we have these cards there on the chairs, or again, you'll be handed them on your way out. And uh, there are stamps at the Welcome Center. And so that's just giving you another action step. You've got to think about who you're going to write this to, then go to the Welcome Center, get your stamp for it. If you don't want to do that, you can pay your own uh, postage and do that. But we thought we'd provide it for those that want it. But it's so important. Again, I don't have time to go into this all the way, but if the series could be extended, um, I would have preached an entire message from uh, the book of Esther. And not just the fact that Esther goes and saves the Israelite people, the Jewish people. I would have preached the message from the angle of King Xerxes. And I'll just give you a little, a little idea where I was going. King Xerxes um, couldn't sleep one day. 
And the Bible tells us in Esther chapter 6 that he asked his royal guard to go ahead and read his emails. So he's like, just go through my file and read me my old emails. And they're called Chronicles back then, but same thing, all right? And uh, he said, read me my old emails. And also he's like, oh, hey, what did we ever do with Mordecai? This guy did something. He kept me from being killed. This guy stopped, like, these people from harming me. Did I ever do anything good for that guy? And they said, you know, your highness, we, you didn't. You didn't do anything good. He's like, no, I need to do something good for that guy. And he gives him a parade, and he gives him blessing, and does all these things, and takes care of him. And uh, through that, he said, I need to make sure that I remember the people that got me where I am. And so that would have been a whole sermon, and you just got a condensed sermonette there. And then we would have handed out the cards, and so we're doing that now and saying, hey, don't forget the people that were good to you. Read the old emails. Look through the old photos. Think about who blessed you. And uh, somebody like, I need multiple postcards. I could write to every teacher. It's amazing they passed me. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. There are people that believed in you and made a difference. And um, if they're still alive, go ahead, take the time. Take one of the cards. Get more if you need them. And uh, send them out. Let's remember those people. And you say, look, well, can I just send an email? No, we are going old school. All right? How many know that sometimes old school is way better than new school? All right? So when, it, when you do something like this, old school is better because emails can just be deleted so quick or filed away you'll never remember. But this right here, it's just something about when you go old school with this, they'll hold it, they'll cherish it. It, it might wind up on the refrigerator. You know what I'm saying? So going old school with that and saying thank you to the people and remembering the people that blessed us. Now, um, forgive and forget. Forgive and don't forgive. You know how it is. We're going to forgive everybody. But in the series, um, this one evoked a lot of emotion in people. This one really hit home. And um, as much as we talked about forgiveness, I just think there's new angles we can do in the future, new angles we can bring up. And I think we're going to have to do more series on this and, and giving forgiveness and being able to forgive ourselves and all the different things. But um, we really need forgiveness and we need to give forgiveness and we need to be the best givers of forgiveness. And uh, I had so many people that wrote me letters. I mean, I'm just telling you, in this series, this one, I got a lot of old school letters and people saying, thank you for this. Um, you helped me to forgive. I thank you for God's forgiveness. Um, I received emails and I didn't even realize, you know, that I didn't forgive this person. Then God brought it up to me and uh, I've, I've been working on it over and over and over again. I've had lobby conversations. I've had conversations in Target and Culver's and, and you know, people are like, oh, thank you. This is a great series on forgiveness. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I've had some tears and, and, and people just crying saying, this is something that's so real. I had to live in this and thank you. I had a few people like, so when are you getting off this one? You know, like, how, when are you going to that next series on Wasted? You know, that's how I'm interested in that. I said, one more week of conviction of forgiveness. One more, you know. So here we are. And uh, then we'll talk about Wasted series next week, which I can't wait to do. Um, but forgiveness is all over the place. How many know that sometimes when you start speaking on it or you're in a sermon series or something like that, all of a sudden you see it everywhere. And I am just seeing it everywhere and, and, and in places I didn't even realize. Like I saw this with, you know, Taylor Swift has that song, Bad Blood. And she says, because baby, now we've got bad blood. You know, we used to be mad love. Now we've got problems, and I don't think we can solve them. It's a little Taylor Swift there. Not that I listen to Taylor Swift. I'm just saying. It's just her, okay? Adele. Adele just came out with her new song, Hello, and uh, just recently released. And already, it's on YouTube just to, to be able to view it. 167 million views already. You are going to hear this song all over. This is the top song, Climbing the Charts. 
And this is what she says in this song. Hello, this is her big hit coming out. It says, they say time's supposed to heal you, but I ain't done much healing. Hello from the other side. I must have called a thousand times to tell you I'm sorry for everything that I've done, but when I call, you never seem to be home. And then she says, at least I tried. But it's a whole song all about I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry. And yes, I do listen to Adele, all right? I just want to confess that as well, all right? But isn't that interesting? That song's going to be the, the top song if it's not already. And it's saying, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I call. I must have tried a thousand times to try to reconcile this and figure it out. And I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm not healing up. I need some healing in this. That's forgiveness. And the world is talking about it more and more. And if, if you're not in the music scene, how about the sports world? You know, recently, Flip Saunders, the coach of the Timberwolves, the NBA basketball team, he passed away after a battle with cancer. And this week on the radio, Kevin McHale, his, his longtime, lifetime friend, was on there talking about how they had a falling out, you know, because they worked together and then they got fired and, you know, they had a falling out. And he talked about, I, I always thought there'd be time to say I was sorry. I, I always thought there'd be time to reconcile. I always thought, and you could hear the pain in, in Kevin McHale's voice as he was talking about his friend that had passed away and he's on the radio doing an extensive interview saying, you know, I, 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 we just didn't have time to get it back. We didn't have time to reconcile. I mean, there was friction and, you know, we were working, but we just didn't get there and now he's gone. Man, forgiveness. And you could feel the pain. You could hear the pain in the interview. You say, well, I'm not into music. I'm not into sports. Well, how about political junkies? Okay? This week, GOP frontrunner Donald Trump was asked about his weakness. You know, he said, this is what he said. When I was watching this, I couldn't believe it. He said, I trust people too much, and if they let me down, I never forgive. He said that. And again, maybe because I'm in the series, it hit me. But again, maybe that's where the world's living. I never forgive. And, and, and he's not alone. Democratic frontrunner Hillary Clinton not that long ago gave this quote. She said, in the Bible, it says, they asked Jesus how many times you should forgive. And he said, 70 times seven. She says, well, I want you to know I'm keeping a chart. Because people don't want to forgive. They want to hold things against people. And it's something that we need to be givers of forgiveness. And I will tell you this. I think today we're accelerating the need for forgiveness. We've always needed forgiveness and to give and receive forgiveness. But I think our technology and our social media is accelerating our need for forgiveness, okay? How many know that when you were angry with somebody before, you'd get in your car and you'd say things in your car that no one else could hear but you and God? How many know what I'm talking about, right? And now with our technology, you can immediately call them and tell them instead of just you and God in the car, and then you can repent. And how many know you'd tell your parents or tell your family or friends, and then you could, they'd say like, I'm not sure you should say that when you talk to them. But now, immediately, we call them, we text them, we tweet about it, we subtweet, you know what I'm saying? And immediately, we created it more and more, and I think we need to get and give more forgiveness. And technology has accelerated the need for this, and it's coming to the top, and it's something we need to be amazing Recipients of forgiveness and givers of forgiveness. And as we wrap up the series, I just want to kind of wrap up a couple of loose ends. And I, I, I really, again, I wish it could have three, four more weeks. But again, we're getting to the Wasted series next week. And um, let me just give you this first thing that I just want to wrap up. I just want to tell you, never give up giving forgiveness and hoping for a great outcome with the person you're giving forgiveness. Never give up. 
Jesus said 70 times 7. Peter's asking, how many times? We talked about it last week. You know, 7 times? No, 70 times 7. Unlimited, unlimited forgiveness. I want you to keep giving it and giving it and giving it. And never, ever give up. Just keep hoping that as you give and give, God's going to do something special in there. Romans 12, 18 says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to be a receiver of forgiveness and a giver of forgiveness. Live at peace. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Ephesians 4, 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It's like, Make the effort, make the effort, make the effort. If you receive forgiveness, you got to give forgiveness. And, and don't stop there. Keep working at it. Reconcile. Do all you can. Be a recipient and a giver of forgiveness. There's something about forgiveness that brings unity to the church, to the family, to a friendship. It's, it's many times the only thing that keeps it together is the ability to re realize I've been given forgiveness and now I have to give you forgiveness and I want to give you forgiveness. I want to reconcile this. I want to restore this. Now, the last scripture that I read, Ephesians 4, 3. Let me go back to March 2014. In March 2014, I did a series, series Follow the Prompt. Okay, if you have not heard that series and you're not, I would just encourage you, probably one of my favorite ones, because I was trying to help the church how to hear the voice of God, which incidentally is where our men's ministry is going with the promise principle. We're asking you to learn to hear the voice of God. We just feel it's that important. And in that series, um, I asked the staff to just pick any passage in the New Testament, pick a chapter, and they put it up on the table, and they, they set it there, and I read the Bible and showed you how the Holy Spirit speaks to me while I'm reading the Word of God. Now, some of you are interested, that was week three, and I was reading that, and I got to Ephesians, and I was just reading a few verses, and I didn't know what they were going to choose. And as I read Ephesians 4, 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace— the Holy Spirit just reminded me of two people that I had broken fellowship with, that I was not in right relationship with anymore. We had friction. We had tried, and it, it, there was some unforgiveness there. And, and God just reminded me, and he's like, don't give up. Make every effort to keep the unity. You are not, you know, keep on this. Don't let up. And if you were there and you, and you missed it, I mean, I started to choke up and to tear up, and I thought, Seriously, the Holy Spirit is breaking me down in front of everyone. You know, welcome to hearing from the Spirit, but that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Now, I want to let you know that as I did that, I just committed again. I said, God, I want you to do something. I want you to do something. I need you to do something. I thought about writing another letter to those two guys, but I thought, I trust you, God. I trust you. You have to be at work in this. And it's interesting. One of the two guys... Um, that we were broken fellowship, we were living in unforgiveness. He came up to me a while after that sermon. I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was between March 14th and now. And he came up to me and he said, you know, he, we were at this event, this church event, and he came walking towards me, like so serious. I thought, he's gonna punch me. Like, not only is it not forget, like we have issue, he's gonna just jack me. I mean, this is, this is gonna get interesting. You know, that's what I'm thinking, you know. And he comes up and he goes, I need you to forgive me. I need it. I need it. I need it. He goes, you don't understand. I need forgiveness. I need this. I need to be restored. It's been driving me crazy. He said, I drove by your house today and I was hoping that you were outside the house because I wanted to go and, and get, you know, reconciled and ask for forgiveness. He said, God's been at work at me and, and, I, and I, 
we need to, we need to do this. And he, and he said, and then I said, if you were here tonight and I saw you, I would, I would do this. And, and here you are. And it's interesting. I had changed my plans to be at that event. I wasn't even planning to be there. And then I had rearranged my schedule to be at that event. And he said, I need your forgiveness. And, and he didn't just say that. He said, I apologize for what I've done wrong. And he, and he called it sin. He said, it was sin. And he said, I need your forgiveness. We, we've got to work at this. We, will you forgive me? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, how many know God's so good he will shock you? You know? And it was unexpected. And, and it's like, well, that's what I've been praying for. I've been praying for that. And then it happens. And I'm like, how did that happen? God's like, well, I was working. That's what I was doing. I was working. That's what I do, you know? When you forgive people and you let it go and, and then you let me handle it, I take care of it. And so then he, he said, I don't want it to end there. I want us to get together with our wives. I want us to go to dinner. We went to dinner. We got our families together. I mean, we've been praying together, praying for each other. We're texting each other. We're helping each other in life. I mean, it's amazing to see what God has done. We sent a letter out to people and said, rejoice with us. God's done something amazing. And, and two people that had an issue that had an issue of, of not being able to solve this and there was unforgiveness and we we're saying, look what God has done and I'm just here to tell you, never ever give up. You may think your person is hopeless. You may think, I am counting and I think I've hit 490 times with this person on a daily basis. You're like, you don't know my person. My person's worse than your person. <laughs> it's unlimited forgiveness. It's unlimited forgiveness. It's never ending. And God says, I'm working. Here's what happens. When you forgive someone, when you forgive someone, you say, God, I forgive them. I'm not going to hold this against. I'm not going to live in that pain. I'm not going to sit there and want you to get them. I'm going to instead want you to grace them. How many know God's like, good, now I don't need to work on you anymore. I get to work on them. And he can focus his efforts on them. He focuses his efforts on them. And all of a sudden, God starts to work on them. And it's an amazing thing. I'll tell you another thing. There was a person that, um, sent me an email this week and he said, I've had issue with you for a while. And, and I realized there's a lot of people that have issue with me and, and I don't know them all, but you know, God <laughs> is helping, you know. So I thank God that I don't have, I mean, I only thought of two, you know. But, um, and he said, he said, seriously, he said, God's been dealing with me for a while. And he said, I, I really want to meet with you. I don't care, your office, coffee, somewhere. He's like, I, I really need to talk to you. God's been working with me. I need some forgiveness. I need to reconcile. And I thought, that's amazing. And, and I said, yes. My response was, yes, 1,000%. Yeah, I mean, yes, yes, yes. And here's the thing. Neither one of them said, you know, you did this or you made it happen or whatever. They were like, God was dealing with me. God was working on me. God was working. You have to trust that when you forgive someone that God is working on them and God is doing what he says he'll do. And, and if you are not praying, God, get them, but you're instead, God, grace them, you're accelerating what God wants to do. And your prayers are accelerating the work of the Holy Spirit in that person's life. And I think that's why he's saying for us to be, you know, do it as far as it depends on you. Like, let them go. Forgive them. Pray. Accelerate what I want to do. And he's like, nothing you do. You can't make that person change, but I can. Let me handle this. Let me handle this. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing when God does that, when God's able to bring people to that moment. Just never, ever, ever give up. There's hope. And again, your person may be worse. You're like, seriously, Pastor Rob, you, I don't even want to tell you what they did, okay? I, here's what I want to do right now. Here and at all of our campuses, I just want to pray for a moment. I want to pray for your person, you and your person. 
And I want to come to agreement right now with you that you can pray, God, grace them. I'm not going to give up. I may have hit 490. I am not going to give up. I believe your word is true, and I'm not going to give up. So I want us to pray right now. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to realize that we can never give up. Your word is true. Your word is true. If we've been recipients of forgiveness, we've got to give it away 70 times 7, unlimited forgiveness. And, and we don't know how it's going to turn out, but we know that when we forgive from our heart, like your word says, that you go to work and amazing things happen. And I'm praying for amazing thing after amazing thing after amazing thing to happen in people's lives. I'm play, praying that the worst person could find it in their heart. All of a sudden they're saying, I, God was dealing with me. God was dealing with me the way that you've loved me, the way that you've let it go. Your forgiveness helped me to get my breakthrough. And I'm praying for that. I'm praying for that over and over and over again, that we'd never give up, never give up. We'd always give forgiveness over and over and over again. If we receive it, we've got to give it away. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Now, there's a more to forgiveness, which really was part of the story that I shared and even the scriptures that I read, um, to be at peace and to protect the unity. And um, this is getting reconciliation. A lot of people were asking me like, well, if I forgive someone, do I still have to be their friend, you know? Like, can I just forgive them and banish them, you know? Um, and not that way, okay? But there, there, there are people that you have to place boundaries on, okay? There's a difference between boundaries and banishment, okay? Um, because here's the thing. In forgiveness, you're letting go of the past. You're letting go of the offense. You're not holding it against the person. You're not dwelling on it anymore. You're not going to uh, just relive it over and over again. You're letting it go, and you're letting God take care of it. That's forgiveness. And you have peace uh, with the relationship. Okay, that's a key word. Peace with the relationship. In reconciliation, you're saying that this person and you have talked to each other. You've asked each other for forgiveness. You've admitted the part that's wrong, and you're working towards a solution to restoring that relationship. That's trust. That's the future behavior. That is earned. Forgiveness is freely given, but this reconciliation and restoration with this person takes time. Now, sometimes you have somebody that you've forgiven, and then uh, when, when you get this reconciliation, that's peace in the relationship. So you can have peace about the relationship by just forgiving them, but you can have peace in the relationship with this reconciliation. And I thank God for this with my friend, that we have peace about it and we have peace in it. I had peace about it even when we weren't restored, but I have peace in it now. Now, there are people that... Um, they continue to do the same thing over and over and over again. They hurt you. They're toxic. They do the same thing. You keep forgiving them, but they keep doing the same thing over and over again. You don't have to be a doormat in this. You can put up boundaries that are safe. But remember, your boundaries are not there to banish them. Your boundaries are there so that they can see the reality of what they're doing, the consequences of what they're doing. You're hoping to restore and reconcile the relationship. And God just spoke to me so clearly because my friend and I, we were what I would call in neutral corners. If you know a little bit about boxing, there's usually a red corner and a blue corner and then two white corners. And the neutral corners are the white corners. And when two people are fighting and the referee needs them to pause for a moment, he'll push them into the white corners. And I felt like in our life, we were in the white corners. We were in the white corners, and I had peace about it, but we didn't have peace in it. I don't want to live in the white corners, because I'm telling you what, the white corners are not a victory. 
That is not the victory. God's not, not like, I want you to put the person in, in the white corner and stay away from them. Again, there are boundaries and there may need to be someone there. But when there's that reconciliation, you can say, now come back together. And don't box when you come back together. But let's come back together. The, the white corners are not a victory. The fact that you've put up a boundary, that's not a victory. That's a safety precaution to help you from getting wounded over and over again and get this person to realize what they're doing so they can repent. Repent and change and restore. Look at Matthew 18, 15. It's on the screen. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault but just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. The whole key of Matthew, when he's talking about, and if you don't listen to you, then bring somebody else. You've got to win them over. God's not saying, now I want my whole church to be neutral corner. Stay away from each other. He's like, I want you to realize this and to give forgiveness, receive forgiveness, repent of your wrong, and reconcile the, the white corner. The neutral corner is not a victory. Matthew 5, 23 and 24, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come off your gift. Taylor Swift may not think there's hope, but God does. God does. He says there's hope. You can be reconciled. Now, if they repent, you forgive them, they repent, and they stop doing that behavior. You can work at reconciliation. It's different degrees for everyone. I understand that. It may not be exactly the same as it used to be, but God says their, their trust can, your trust can be earned back again. You don't need to live like Donald Trump. I never forgive them. I never give them. God's like, no, you can forgive them and see reconciliation. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Now, if they continued this destructive behavior, you should set up your boundaries. You should limit your exposure. You should clearly explain your expectations and the consequences and hold to it. You're not doing them any good to let them keep crossing that line and you have those boundaries in place. But remember, your goal is not to isolate them or banish them. Your goal is to change the behavior and to restore the relationship so God can be glorified. And again, it's not always possible. It takes two people. How many know it takes one person to forgive? It takes two people to restore. It takes two people. But as much as it depends on you, do what you can. Forgive, be a forgiver, receive it and give it. Now, the last thing, you have to learn to forgive yourself. And again, if there's one thing that will be one series that we'll do in the future, maybe a two-part, learning to forgive yourself. I'm just telling you, so many people have a hard time with that. I, I, I didn't have a hard time with this. I was what I call a quick forgiver. I mean, I just saw it in the Word, trusted it, believed it, got it. If I do something wrong and I ask for forgiveness, I get it, I'm moving forward. When I ask for forgiveness from somebody, if they tell me, even a year or two later, you know, that you remember this? I'm like, what? We, we forgave that. You know, I, whenever I do marriage counseling and somebody's like, well, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, that's gone. Like, we, we, did, did you not? Well, we did, but I rem don't remember. Let it go. Let it go. But I'm a quick forgiver. But I know there's a lot of people that can't do this. And I want to read Romans 8. Romans 8, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives you life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, I want to tell you what Paul was writing. He says, now, this instant, right now, grab this. It would have shocked the people then, and it would shock you now. When you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, he says, therefore, there is now, right now. You don't have to hope for it, wish. He said, I forgive you. It's taken care of. It's taken care of. 
And he says there's no condemnation. And the idea there is of a judge standing there and you're in front of him and you did something very wrong. God's not saying it's no big deal, not a big deal. You sinned, it's not a big deal, don't worry. He says your sin is a very big deal. A very big deal, but because you asked Jesus Christ to forgive you, it's paid for, it's covered. There's no condemnation. As the judge, as the one that could judge you for your sins, you're now forgiven and there's no condemnation right now. Now live in that. He's saying live in it. And we just just can't do it. We're like, that's too good to be true. It is too good to be, it's too good, but it is true. It's too good, but it is true. And then people are like, I don't know, I don't know, I can't, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. And I'll tell you a story that my mom gave me. By the way, people ask me all the time, they say, does your mom give you permission for all these illustrations? Most of the times, no, okay, most of the time. But this one here, this illustration, she came to me. And she said, Rob, it's so important that people understand forgiveness and learn how to forgive themselves. She said, this is her story. She said, you don't know this, but I sinned a lot before I found Jesus. And she said, and after I gave my life to Jesus and asked for forgiveness, I'd drive by a place that I sinned at. And I'd say, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry for what I did there. I'm so sorry, 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 sorry for my sin. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. And she said, and then I'd go by another place. I'd think, oh, I'm sorry for the sin there. Sorry, 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 sorry. And she said she just kept doing that her whole life, everywhere she'd go. Anything that she did wrong, oh, that was, oh, that place. And finally, the Holy Spirit just said, I have forgiven that. You're forgiven. My word is true. There is therefore now no condemnation. Do you believe that I'm a God that forgives or do you think that I'm a liar? You can't live that that way anymore. I've forgiven you. I've taken care of it. I've separated as far as the east is from the west. You need to move forward in the forgiveness that I've given you. And you just have to decide right now, are you going to believe God's word or are you going to believe that voice that's rolling around in your head? And I'm going to tell you something to distinguish if it's the voice of God or the voice of the enemy. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior and asked for forgiveness for things that you've done, and then obviously you think, oh, 15 years ago I did this. Oh, sorry, sorry, Jesus. Sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you what, that's the voice of the enemy. It's the voice of the enemy. Because Jesus is like, I've forgiven that. I've forgiven that. There's no condemnation because the devil wants to go, remember what you did in that place. That's the devil reminding you. Okay? The Lord doesn't do that to you. You know what the Lord does? Instead of bringing condemnation, he brings conviction. I don't have time to go into this. But this is what he does. He brings conviction to your now. He says, on the way to the church, you were yelling in the car at your wife that you need to repent of that. That's conviction. And he disciplines us with conviction in our now but he doesn't condemn us. And he says, I discipline you different than people that are condemned. There are people that are condemned that have never asked for forgiveness, but now I discipline you like a child and I give you conviction, not condemnation. So if the Lord is dealing with you with something that's fresh, that's in your now, he's just saying, I want to correct that behavior. That's not how my kids live. I'm bringing conviction in here. But if it's something that's back there and you're like, oh, Jesus, 10 years, he's like, no, no, I'm not talking about that anymore. That's the enemy bringing that up. So learn to distinguish that, and Paul says it, and I don't have time, but he says, you'll learn how to do this if you live yielded to the Spirit. When you live yielded to the Spirit, you will learn how to, so you just need to yield to the Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, teach me, speak to me, speak to me, and help me to understand the difference between conviction and condemnation, and to realize there is therefore now no condemnation. You need to learn to forgive yourself, and let me close with praying for those that need to forgive themselves. So Lord, I pray right now, way too short of a time on that part 
but I pray for people that need to forgive themselves. Maybe even just that illustration of my mom could be driven home to them. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. None, none whatsoever. The past has been forgiven, Lord. The past has been forgotten. The past, past has been taken care of. And I pray that when they drive by the place, instead they grab hold of the grace of Jesus and realize I've been forgiven so much, I need to forgive somebody today. I need to write a card. I need to write a letter. I need to ask for reconciliation. I need to be a great forgiver because you've forgiven me of so much. But I pray there'd be no doubt that there is therefore now no condemnation for those that have asked for forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Help us to live in that forgiveness and to give it away. If we're going to receive it, we have to give it away. And I pray we do that in Jesus' name.